When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Tiger and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino, we preview the Women's College World Series with our man, Chris Plank, and we give you our winners and losers of the week. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man, Michael Hostie, will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. Beautiful Wednesday, May 31st, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack. Blackjack match, roulette, and Teddy's favorite, craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of June, visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now, we're actually recording this on late Tuesday night because our man, Chris Plank, he's a busy man. It's his time of the year. Plankster, how we doing, buddy? (laughs) I'm good, Gabe. I'm good, Teddy. Pumped to be back on with you. I tried to spruce things up in the joint a bit from what you uh, typically see on Big 12 today, which is the back of a garage wall. So I'm ready to roll, man. It's a fun week. A lot of responsibilities. Here we go. Yeah, you've had uh, you've had an interesting one, man. How awesome was that over the weekend? That was crazy. It was really cool. It was really cool. And I had to laugh because uh, Gabe, and I appreciate you throwing out the tweet and, and the kudos. And I had to laugh because the first response was the one thing, two things that I'm kicking myself about from this week. And number one, that I didn't say right away that it was a home run. I just started screaming like a fan. And number two, that ball did not get to home run village, but it sounds a lot cooler if it may have. So um, yeah, uh, Teddy was awesome. This, this team consistently has found ways to just blow, blow your mind. I mean, they're unbelievable. A 48 straight, you know, maybe two or three games that they've absolutely pulled out of the hat during this stretch. So, you know, it's, it's kind of wild. I don't know that they played all that great this past weekend. And they won one game 9-2, to two, and they won the other game, you know, in dramatic fashion. So I feel like their best softball is still ahead of them. That's that's my question for you, Plank. Now, clearly, the Kenzie Hansen home run, is that that's an all-timer. 
Yeah, that's an all-timer. And But did did you think they played particularly well in the Super? I think that they made mistakes on Friday that they haven't made all year long. They played Friday for the first time like a team for for a half inning. They played like a team that was, you know, kind of in their head, right? You had a couple balls that are typically plays that are made. You had an overthrow by by Riley Boone that led to putting runners in scoring position. You had a couple of missed pitches. And then after, you know, they didn't play all that well in that half inning, they went and they put five on the board. Guys, they scored five runs on nine pitches on Friday. It's the oh. wildest thing I think I've seen. I mean, I, I'm remembering it. it was a single by uh, Boone, uh, single by Coleman, infield single by Jennings, grand slam by Haley Lee, home run by um, Alyssa Brito. And you're like, whoa, this game could be a run rule. And two seconds ago, it was a two-run game. So they showed those flashes this weekend. But, you know, I'm not I'm, – I'm a big, you know, homer. I'm, I think you guys know that. But not a big excuse maker either. But I kind of think the, the the weight of that weekend was was wearing on him a bit. I think it started, you know, you could have the greatest leaders. You could have the most incredible coach on the planet. But when all you're hearing is about, hey, you got, you're going to win 48 straight. You're going to win 48 straight. It's the last game at Marita Hines Field. You're going to go win a third straight championship. That expectation can get heavy. And I think at times they played a little tight. But. I felt like once they won on, on Saturday, that was a really, really loose and free team. And I'm really pumped to see how they how they look come Thursday against Stanford. Yeah, just to dig in on that a little bit more, you know, Gabe and I had Coach Patty Gasso on, uh, what was it, Gabe, a week and a half or so ago. Yeah, it was great. It was awesome, and, man. But you could sense that it was just a lot, right? And the pressure is a lot. Everyone expects them to just show up and win and, the championship is theirs. They just don't, you know, just don't screw it up. Um, and then you you could feel that emotion post game on Saturday come out. Um, you know that I think that it was frustrating the winning streak that was going on. I think they'll all look back whenever the season's over and feel really good about what they accomplished. But during the moment, I it did feel really heavy. Had you felt anything like that with this team before in previous years or anything, or is this kind of a one-off type of moment? That's a great question, and I've actually thought about it a lot. So I think there was a stretch in 2017 where they didn't play all that well. Um, They were defending national champs. You know, Paige Parker was going into her junior season. Uh, We went to Mexico, and I think got beat you know, by, by Auburn early down in Mexico. So that rematch of the championship series hadn't really gone our way. And it was, it was one game. Uh, they had a, we had a stretch Teddy where for spring break, we went to long beach, which was awesome. We were there for like nine days, but you could sense it was the, the, the weight was really heavy on this team. And that was a team that I think they went on a, a on a big win streak. And then of course had it snapped whenever, you know, they lose their first game of the, of the region. I mean, they lost to North Dakota State in 2017. So that was the last time when I saw, oh, I, I'm worried about expectations getting to them. Um, and they didn't, but they responded by going and winning the World Series. Um, 18's team kind of hit that, with, but that didn't come to the World Series. But from that point forward, you know, even though 19, that's Sid Romero and Fall A senior year, they lost in the championship series. 
it didn't really seem like too much bothered them. And then, and and to be quite fair, I think everyone that was involved would say, you know, the pitching was kind of inconsistent in 19. And then G Juarez was the absolute stud in the series in 21. And obviously the, the team in 22. So yeah, Ted, it was kind of reminiscent at times of what I've seen in other championship teams, but the, those teams, it would weigh down like more than a couple of, of, of innings. Those, it might be a game or two and then, all right, they click out of it. This team, it was, you know, half inning, maybe the case of Saturday, two, two, maybe three innings. But this, this team responds unlike anything I've seen since I've started doing this. So looking at now, clearly what they've done in the postseason is what a lot of us are focused on, but you've, you've literally watched every pitch yeah. of the season. What has impressed you the most about this this season's team? Um, the depth in pitching, which which grows. I I, I it, it was wild. Sometimes I forget that this is a podcast. And I was listening Sunday, and it was a nice surprise. Thank you, Gabe, for dropping it early. Uh, it was a nice surprise to have it and listen to it. And I'm starting to text you guys while the podcast is going on. I'm like, well, you dope. This isn't a live show. It's a podcast. They're not on the air. But you were talking about, you know, concerns. Should we have some concerns about Staraka? Isn't it pretty amazing that one of your all Big 12 pitchers might be not necessarily hitting on all cylinders? And you have two other all Big 12 and a national player of the year finalist in one of those two that's ready to step in. And then all of a sudden, this freshman that comes, I mean, from a st- statistical perspective and an innings perspective out of nowhere in Kirsten deal. So that that's, what's impressive to me is the pitching depth. It's, I, I don't, I don't think I've seen it ever. You know, you had page park and page Lowry in six and 17, and that was a pretty good one too, but I don't know if I've ever seen it go one, two, three. Um, and now maybe you even say three and a half. So that's been impressive to me. And you know, I, I guess I guess the thing that's really stood out that impresses me about this team is just how really smooth they are defensively. You know, it's that's a Patty Gasso trademark. That's what she hangs her hat on. Um, that's what all of her teams have been great at, and it helps when you have the greatest probably shortstop in the history of the game defensively in Grace Lyons. But, you know, you've got, I think, nine different players that have played right field this year, and maybe of those nine one or two are natural outfielders. <laughs> so you're taking infielders and even catchers and turning them into right fielders. And they're, they're still embracing it, getting better at angles and the things you need to do in the outfield. So yeah, pitching depth, number one, that stands out to me. Number two, you know, defense. And then third, just, it seems like it's a different person, right? It seems like there's a different quote unquote hero in those challenging moments. And I just, they pass the torch as well as, as any team I've seen. So uh, I'm, I'm excited to see how it goes this week, but it's been an incredible ride. Uh, Coach always says the joys in the journey, and this year is no different. This year is, uh, has been incredibly joyful to watch this. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, the journey right now is uh, landed in the same place it does every year, Oklahoma City. <laughs> uh, some people hate that. Some people love it. Um, but what do you make of this field? I, I don't know. 
if there's a much of a difference from from year to year to year, but whenever you look at the the field as a whole and compare it to maybe some previous um, college World Series outfits, like how do you think this one stacks up? It it is the chalkiest that I can remember in a long time, right? I mean, I know UCLA isn't here, but you know, three of the uh, four of the top five seeds are, um, you know, it's. It, it, they, they, it's, I guess five of the top six, including Oklahoma State, are they did a really nice job, uh, in defend in, in bouncing back at Oklahoma State and Alabama to where there was a lot of questions about their seeding to still get here. Um, Ted, I think it's an incredible mix of the team that's been the best all season long in Oklahoma. Um, three of the consistent contenders this year in Oklahoma State, Tennessee, and Florida State, and then, um, uh, a, a, a couple of teams that just throughout this season peaked at the right time. Uh, Washington, who had maybe one of the greatest moments we've seen in regional play in a long time with the seven run deficit to come back and beat McNeese state, you know, Utah, the atmosphere they had, it was their first ever night game on, on Friday night in Utah. Now they lost it, but to come back and beat San Diego state win the first ever PAC 12 tournament and be playing as well as they are, you know, that's, that's pretty incredible to me Throw Stanford, in that mix, a team that's been a, a top eight, top t- uh, top ten team all season long. So, you know, Ted, it's funny because I I usually sometimes outside of OU, I'm a glass glass half full kind of a guy. I've been trying to figure out who's going to tune tune Q. That's the thing to me that has been really tough to figure out because whoever loses their first game in any of these four games could easily make a run through the losers bracket. So, uh, I I think it's a fun field, man, and. You know, you've got drama, right? Montana Fouts, is she back to 100%? She's the Alabama pitcher that got hurt in the in the SEC championship game. Oklahoma State, man, I, I could probably do a whole hour on what the hell happened there and now how they're back to where they are. You know, Kenny Gajewski's done a hell of a job because they were done. I watched them get beat by Kansas in the Big 12 championship game, and I think it was like 11 of their last 13 they lost. And then all of a sudden, Kelly Maxwell looks like Kelly Maxwell. So, you know, whoever wins that Florida State Oklahoma State game, I think that that team's getting to the championship series. But it wouldn't surprise me if whoever lost it is playing again on Sunday with an opportunity to get to that point. So, I, I love this field, Ted. I as much as I had problems with the way that it was seated and who didn't get a regional and who wasn't in the top eight, I thought it played out pretty pretty well, and I was I was really impressed with the way that you know Oklahoma State and Alabama bounced back and to see a team that. Um, had heavy expectations in Florida State overcome their frustration from last year. This is, this is um, as as our buddy Ben Hartsock says, Gabe. This is a banger of a feel that we have for this uh, World World Series. It's amazing. Now you you mentioned the importance of winning the first game. Huge. How's how's the sta- Stanford matchup look like? You know, every, how's that look? Every single team in the world series has played each other. I say that right. So every single, all the eight teams have matched up against each other. Um, Stanford, Oklahoma is the only matchup in which the teams have played just once this year. And Oklahoma beat the snot out of Stanford in either. I think it was like game two or three. And I, I remember that game because there had been a lot of hype out of Stanford and, you know, they just, they got boat raced and, so I kind of lost sight of them for a little bit. I didn't think that they were going to be a factor after what I saw. And then slowly but surely, you know, they their ace got healthy and, and she started throwing well. 
Um, they got a little pitching depth. They've got a little pop. You know, their their head coach was the coach of Minnesota who beat us twice in 2016. So there's that confidence there. Now, granted, that was what you know seven eight seasons ago. So it doesn't carry over. But you know, they're um. The Pac-12 was a lot better, I think, than people gave it credit for this year. And it was like all about uh, UCLA and UCLA this and UCLA that. And then lo and behold, it becomes Stanford and it becomes Utah and it becomes Washington. So um, I, Stanford had been just creeping along all season long and they could do a little bit of everything. You know, they they can steal bases. I mentioned they pitch it well. They've got power. So um Probably a candidate to go to and Q uh, if, if they lose to Oklahoma on Thursday. But this is going to be one of the best staffs that Oklahoma faces in this World Series. They're really talented. Okay. It's going to be a fun one. We, I don't know how many of our listeners know what you mean when you say to and Q. So go in. Okay. <laughs> I know. I, I know what you're saying, right. but just in case, because you've said it a couple times, and right. I'm sorry, there's a couple guys out there going, "What the hell is the he hell talking is he about? Ta- what is he this doing? This is a football podcast. Football podcast. You're talking two and Q. What's what are you talking about? No, uh, two and Q, two two and barbecue. So basically, you lose two games, you're out. And and two teams are going to do it, right? Two teams in this World Series are going to get two games, and they're done. Um, so that that's kind of it, and that's what's been challenging for me, right? The loser of the Oklahoma Stanford game will play the loser of the Alabama-Tennessee game. I mean, that's wild, right? The loser of the Oklahoma State-Florida State game is going to play the loser of Washington and Utah. So, I mean, it's just and, – and you in, – in 20 – see, every year runs together. Twenty In 2021 was when OU lost to uh, uh, James Madison and made their run after one loss to win the championship series. Florida State lost its opener – in 20 what was that 18 and went on to win the world series but prior to that it it hadn't been done since ucla in the early like 20 i think it was like 2004 so it's really really hard to lose your first game and still get it done so yeah i say two and q trying to figure out who that team is it's gonna lose two games and be done right out of the gates that's a tough one in this series it's alabama and <laughs> just to build on to that the reason to me is <laughs> Tennessee, I feel like, is one of the hottest teams coming in, right? I agree. With what happened there against Texas, it seems like that team's got some attitude. Seems like they've got a lot of energy right now. And I kind of feel like Tennessee's the wild card. I do, too. I, Ted, whenever um, – I again, we're, we, we're not in predictions or anything, but I think you're getting an OU-Tennessee matchup on Saturday. I think that's uh, – I think that's what we're getting because they've moved the schedule around um, because it used to be you would play Thursday and Friday to get Saturday off. Now the winners get Friday off and you you, you turn around and play on Saturday. So they've switched it around a little bit um, in the last now two seasons and they don't cross bracket anymore. So I uh, I'm with you. I, I thought Oklahoma and Tennessee were on a crash course at some point Dad, you. I mean, I, I don't think, well, maybe we do. Yeah, there's two Oklahoma transfers that are playing a major, major role for Tennessee. And Tennessee had us beat at the Marion Utter last year. And Jada Coleman hit a walk-off home run to beat them. Uh, their ace pitcher, Ashley Rogers, is healthy. She's as good as anyone in the country. And in those two Oklahoma transfers, there's Mackenzie Donahue, who was the star of the 2021 World Series run for the Sooners. 
and transferred out last year. She's been their starting shortstop all year long and has played well. And the other side of that infield is Zeta Puni, the third baseman who was here in 2020 and, you know, didn't really get much of an opportunity. COVID shut down the season. She went to uh, 2021, excuse me, 2021. She was here. She went to Tennessee and she's um, she's really committed herself to, to being in the best shape of her life and, and, and getting everything right defensively and offensively. And Zeta Pooney's become an all-star for them. And there's another, you know, Oklahoma tie in this Kiki Malloy, the center fielder for Tennessee, their star, her sister's coming to play here next year. Maybe you've heard of her dad, football guy, lawyer Malloy. So, I mean, it's a, it's a really, is she, is you're she right, the leader Ted. in uh, home runs. I believe it's so. I believe close, so. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, and when you see her, um, Ted, remember how you were talking about when you first saw Jordy ball, like when you see Kiki Malloy, you're like, yeah, there's an athlete. There is an absolute athlete. So um, I, I think, you know, Oklahoma got a tough draw on that side of the bracket. They really, really did um, with Tennessee. But, hey, you're going you're gonna to have to go, go through them to get to the uh, championship series, and I, I can't wait to see that matchup. I think it's going to be great. Hope it happens. We'll get you back to the interview. But first... Love's Travel Stops is now offering a nationwide 10 cent per gallon discount on gas and auto diesel. Just download the Love's Connect app and scan your barcode at the prompt on screen and watch the price drop 10 cents per gallon. Across the country, the Love's Connect app unlocks exclusive deals and can help any traveler plan their route or meal on the highway. So before you hit the road, be sure to download the Love's Connect app to save 10 cents per gallon and experience the country's best highway hospitality at Love's travel stops loves also have you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones with their expanded mobile to go zone and of course don't forget to grab yourself some of that delicious java opolis clothing is the exclusive home for all of our oklahoma breakdown merchandise and is the best place to get your ou and okc thunder gear as well if you want to live your life and better yourself comfort go to opolisclothing.com that's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com. Use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off your entire order. That's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. And hey, you hungry out there? Well, then head to the garage for hand-smashed patties, butter-toasted buns, and ice-cold beer. Their food is fantastic, and it is the perfect spot to watch any big game. Visit eatatthegarage.com to find a location near you and order online from the garage in your neighborhood. All right, back to the interview. So, Plank, I think we would all agree that if Oklahoma plays its best, you're going to win the national title. It's going to be hard to beat them twice. Now, if they don't, right, let's say a team catches them an off day or two, what team in the field – do you think could pull it off if OU just isn't at their best yeah. during the during the World Series? Well, I I think Tennessee is one of them. I really do. Um, I would say there's three, and and that's not being I, you know, you never want to say there's eight teams and we're talking about seven here. And I only think there's three that can beat Oklahoma. It's not arrogance, and sometimes people get mad about that. It's just you know, unless Oklahoma goes bad new bad bad news bears on us they they're the the best team in this in this i mean stratosphere when it comes to softball right now but tennessee can tennessee absolutely can they got a little pitching depth and i mentioned ashley rogers uh the winner of the oklahoma state florida state game i think can i mean oklahoma state uh how do you beat on that friday 
and they uh, fell apart. Um, Florida State maybe played Oklahoma the toughest, kind of showed a little bl- uh, blueprint in that Tuesday night game to challenge Oklahoma a little bit more when they went with, I think it was you know, four different pitchers and never let the Sooners see a pitcher twice. And um, I know, Ted, you giggle every time we say her name, but Kat Sandercock, been, she's been standing on her head so far this season. Oh, there's an out of context. She's been really good. She's been really good uh, this whole season, especially in the playoff or in the postseason. So those are the three to me, Tennessee, Florida State, and Oklahoma State. And I would put a little um, asterisk next to, like, Alabama. Even though I'm with you, Ted, I think they're going two and Q. If if you get a little bit more in the World Series than you got from Montana Fouts and the Supers, then that, that confidence that was built up for the rest of their staff, I think, has been a – Really big for Patrick Murphy, their head coach, who, I mean, we talk about rumors this time of year. You know, Patrick Murphy, the big rumor is that this was going to be his last run with Alabama and he was going to retire and and start getting into TV and things of that nature. So uh, we'll see if that, you know, ends up carrying over as far as uh, the rumor mill, the the silly season is concerned for this sport. Who, um, outside of, you you mentioned Sander Cock there, Malloy from Tennessee, (laughs) Um, outside a couple of the well-known names, who are some of the really good individual standout players that we're going to be seeing throughout the tournament? Yeah, Ted, there's uh, T.R.A. Jennings, uh, Jada Coleman. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, I could go through that whole OU roster if you wanted to. You you mentioned, uh, I think, I'll go back to what I was saying about Tennessee. I really, really have a soft spot for uh, both Kiki Malloy um, and Zeta Pooney and, and Lou Donahue. But let's just focus on Donahue and Poon, uh, Zeta Pooney. Zeta Pooney came here and just she couldn't crack the lineup. And I think she would even tell you that it, it was a struggle jumping from uh, travel ball high school to what she was doing at Oklahoma. And she never really found her groove. And when I saw her, when we went out to uh, Mary Nutt and we went to Palm Springs last year and I saw Zeta Pooney, it was – it's like what people say when they see Gabe and they haven't seen him for like a, five or six years. It's like, whoa, look what happened, right? It's look at this dude. Uh, Zeta Pooney had really committed herself. She had changed her whole physical makeup. She looked incredible. And then she went out and you watched her play. She looked incredible in everything that she was doing. So I, I, I really think that's cool because that was someone that challenged herself and got better and is now an all SEC performer. So she's fun. Utah's got a pitcher named Mariah Lopez. We had a pitcher named Mariah Lopez, but I think she is uh, an absolute blast to watch. She is um, all energy in the circle for for Utah, and they've got a – I mean, obviously, you know, we know about Utah staff. you got DJ Gasso and Paige Parker that are there. Uh, Paige won a World Series at OU. DJ's Patty Son that was there in 2019 uh, as the volunteer assistant, grad assistant. So Mariah is really fun to watch. Um, Bailey Klingler is the shortstop for Washington. She was not on their team when they made their trip in 2019, but um, she's she's legit. She was the number two pick in the WPF draft. She's the Washington uh, shortstop, and she is just fantastic. So that's a good watch. I, I like the Prangy. I know, Ted, we always show the Prangy kid. I like the Ashley Prangy, the Prangy kid from Alabama. Uh, she's fun to watch. And if you, if you truly just want to – I'm not just saying it to say the name over and over again – but watching Kat Sandercock in the circle is hilarious because she's, you know, she's constantly moving. She's always, you know, throwing the ball around. There's always something that seems to be distracting her. Like and walks she gets, to second base, 
like throws it into her glove a couple of times and then comes back. Yeah, yeah. And and she's always done it. So uh, I I think she's fun. There is a ton of talent. I mean, we could hit all of the Kylie Naomi for Oklahoma State, Kelly Maxwell uh, to see what, you know, they've they've had happen with Lexi Kilfoyle in the circle. Taylor Tuck's had a great season. They're catching at Oklahoma State. So that's one of the cool things about this. You can despise and hate your rivals and you don't want to see them do well, but there's always like one or two individuals where you're like, all right, I'll sit and I'll watch this person pitch or I want to see this person hit. It's a, it's a boatload of talent here in Oklahoma City. So how how different is the World Series for you? Right? Like, does it how different does it feel mm-hmm. when it when it comes to calling, say just even a regional or a super regional mm-hmm. as opposed to calling games in the World Series? Well, first of all, I have a press box and a and a radio booth, so that's really nice. You know, you don't I heard have you to... mentioning that today, which you know, it's it's bittersweet, I guess. Right, right. right. With Maria Hines <laughs> being done. Yeah, it's uh you know, it's funny because I, I saw Brian Brinkley and Brian was calling the softball games before I did, and they would only do some of the conference games, but they would do the postseason. And we were joking about you're outside and you're outside in, you know, late May in Oklahoma. And the last thing you need is for your equipment to overheat. And so it was like, we'd always, this this constant battle to not have this piece of equipment spontaneously combust because it's 500 degrees outside. But no, that's uh, in, in all seriousness, it's just, it's so fun to see a celebration and how this sport has grown. Um, it's very, Gabe, as far as time for me now with the Westwood One gigs, it's very nerve-wracking because everything is so predicated on timing. Excuse me. And, um, like, if a game goes long or something like that, you're like, oh, gosh, I get, we got to hurry here because I have the Westwood One and we got to be on the air at this point. But it's just, you know the end is near, right? You know that. At the very best, right, you're going to play uh, four more games. You know, you got your first-round game. You got, well, I guess it would be five more games. You got your first-round game. You got your semifinal game. You got your Sunday game. And then you'd have two games in the World Series. The minimum amount of games you have left is five. And if you lose a game, suddenly everything is nerve-wracking. It's like, oh, my gosh, this could be the end. This might be the final ride for this team or this class. So the finality of it even though, you know, you, you get two opportunities is always kind of jarring, but man, I, Gabe, you've been out there. I, I tell you, I think you've been out there too. It's just, it's, it's a really cool environment. And I think it's even cooler when you realize that it's right here in our backyard and it's been here forever and it's always been supported. Well, even before Oklahoma was doing what they're doing and before Oklahoma state now made their fourth straight world series. So it's just, to me, it's really cool. It's, it's, it's a really awesome celebration and um, I usually get pretty good parking. So that's, that's nice. the other part. <laughs> I yeah. usually get parking, even though they've gone digital this year. I love the people that, you know, this time of year, the, the, and I don't feel like it's overwhelming, but the complaints right. start to come out about OU being able to play the women's college world series in their backyard up in OKC. And I've seen some people say, Hey, it's an easy fix. Just build a 14,000 seat <laughs> softball stadium in your local community and yeah. then put a bid in to host it. That's, That's all it. it takes. That's all it takes, man. It's and only the biggest softball stadium in the world, probably by 10,000 seats. 10, uh, I wouldn't say quite 10. You go back 
if Oklahoma City and and I I don't know which part of any project it was. I mean, it, they all kind of run together for me. If Oklahoma City hadn't committed to the upgrades that they did, then maybe we could have a conversation, right? If there wasn't, you know, close to 20,000 that you can fit in that place, and if it wasn't selling out, and if it wasn't just an incredible venue from that perspective, uh, and it was still, you know, one or two bathrooms and no upper level, and, you know, if it was still that, then maybe. But, my gosh, I, I get it Oklahoma's dominating, and it's got to suck for everyone else. But if you really step back and you look at it, what Oklahoma City, I guess USA Softball and that too, guys, what they have done to invest and renovate that place is just bravo. Now, there's still some work to be done, right? I, they, they can do some work on the locker rooms. They can do some work on the auxiliary fields. It can always get better. But they have committed to making sure that this event has the mecca of a stadium that it – Deserves and I, I was laughing. I was uh, one of my one of my buddies, uh, Trevor Anderson, and I were talking about this the other day. Um, he didn't even realize that those outfield bleachers like weren't permanent. He's like, wait a minute, there's another wall behind there. Um, so it, they do so much to just really maximize what they can out of that facility, and they've upgraded it. So I, I'm with you, Ted. It's, I'm sure it sucks for everyone else, just like we'd probably be complaining if Nebraska won like five straight World Series in Omaha. But I'm here to tell you right now, it's it's not going anywhere, and it shouldn't go anywhere. It's easy in, it's easy out, and the fans the fans are showing up. Mike, the last softball question I have for you is, can you believe it's gotten this popular? Because I, I feel like it's, unquestionably the number two program at the university. And I, I don't know what the revenue numbers look like, but I know when it comes to the discussion among the fan base, people are crazy about softball. This fan base loves softball. And I know the success has a lot to do with it, but could you, did you ever imagine it would get to this point? No, Um, but I love it. When we, I, I keep bringing up Palm Springs and the Mary Nutter Classic. And for those that, you know, I, I keep dropping this thing like I'm like you guys talk softball in every show for 24 hours. Um, Mary Nutter is an early season tournament. Yes, I know the name cracks you up, but it's it's after a legendary coach. I mean, let's just go ahead and call it out. Uh, it's the Mary <laughs> Nutter Classic, and it's in Palm Springs, and everyone goes there. At least they used they used to. Now, uh, a lot of people go down to Florida and and still go to Palm Springs, but it's the mecca. And I'll never forget going there in 2016. And they put us right behind the home plate. And, you know, fans were able to come and talk to players. And it was just, it was really, really, I was like, man, this is kind of a cool little environment. Fast forward to today, you can't walk there. I mean, you the, the, the play, there was a line, there's security for the players to be able to move anywhere. Um, thousands of people showing up early to, to claim their seats to watch games and then you know, these autograph sessions are like mob events. I mean, it's crazy. It's like a mosh pit. So uh, Mary Nutter, after 16 and going in 17 and then seeing that girl was that first moment where I was like, holy, holy smokes, man, this thing is blowing up. And then you see the lines of people that are waiting outside to get inside Marita Hines Field before games. So I'm, uh, I'm pleasantly surprised that it's grown the way that it has. And, you know, it's it's funny because I like to think about 
some of the players that were involved in these really great teams before the sport blew up. Uh, I thought last year was really cool because when Jocelyn was making her run, people started learning more about, even though it was only a couple of years ago, um, but the sport wasn't on the pedestal it is now when Lauren Chamberlain was doing what she was doing and to go and, and learn how incredibly unstoppable she was. And then you go back further and like, Hey, this Kalani Ricketts was something. And then you dive into, you know, even deeper in the sport, the Kat Ostermans, the Ginny Finches, the Leah Amicos. So it's been really cool to me, Gabe, to see the sport grow on the shoulders of the Sid Romero's and these, these rocks, these modern day rock stars in softball, um, Rachel Garcia, Jada Coleman, but it's really, I think it's been cool to discover, man, this sport has been really good for a long time. It's just, we're starting to figure it out. And, you know, I think you've got a great villain, right? You've got, you've got a great villain. You've got a team that's won 48 straight games. Um, that's won back-to-back titles. That's won four titles in the last six years. Now we're going on a, a, a seventh. Uh, they, what did, jo- what did Jocelyn say to us, Gabe, at, at a post-game party? I don't know why people can't stand us. I, I think there was a little bit more to it. Um, oh, yeah, sorry. Was- she goes, it was something to the effect of like we love Jesus and stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know why people can't. But why does so you, many you, people you know, hate us? Yeah, exactly. But that's that's the reality of it. And then you have that other side of which is Sooner fans that are so passionately defending every little thing, and they they're eaten up with it. So I'm not just excited about where it is, Gabe. Nationally, I'm I'm really pumped to see where it is locally. If you go into like the archives in the in the locker room, there are at least, you know, 10, 11 different like inclinations of adjustments or upgrades or changes to Marita Hines field. So, you know, it's not just in the popularity, it's in the investment and seeing what loves has done um, where you should get your Java Amore when you're on the road. And I'm telling you, you can't go wrong without getting the peach rings or the water. It's all a great deal. Um, but to see loves and the investment that they've made, I think it's going to, it's going to pay back twofold because you hear from fans that are like, man, loves, they supported softball. I'm going to support them. And other people are going to see that. And they're going to say, man, I want to do for my school what happened with loves at Oklahoma. So how can my business get involved in Stillwater or in, you know, maybe a place that doesn't have softball right now, like Nashville. And they're like, what can we do to start softball here at Vanderbilt? So I, I, I love to see the sport grow. And I love it even more to see the investment, especially here at Oklahoma. We'll get you back to the interview, but first. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School represents a tradition of educational excellence in Oklahoma City. Grounded in a faith-based education, students prepare to meet their potential with an individualized academic path that strives for success. Bishop McGinnis offers a college prep curriculum that includes 22 AP courses, participation in OSSAA athletics where they've won over 100 state championships and numerous clubs and organizations for students to join and grow. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. And attention business owners, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. 
Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best-in-class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A dot com. All right, back to the interview. Yeah, and while we're talking about it, uh, it's diamond sports season and baseball is in, they're playing in the Charlottesville regional, um, which happens to be a pretty good draw for them considering yeah, um, history. A lot of people were uh, maybe a little surprised that they made it in. There's a little bit of heat there between them and Kansas state, but they're in, and it looks like a pretty good draw. Yeah. And I I'll tell you, I don't like East Carolina. East Carolina is Good. I don't like that they're in there. Um, but listen, they they showed this last year. They can make a run. And with, you know, Spikerman looking like they're going to put him back in the leadoff spot and seeing as comfortable as he is, you know, I think that makes a big difference for him. But, Teddy, I, I think we had one of the all-time great moments with the selection committee chair on Monday when John Cohn, who is the Auburn AD and is also the co- committee chair, basically said on live TV that they've got to change their selection process. I mean, he literally comes out and he's on TV and he's got his little notes and they go, I mean, what, what do you think about the RPI? He's like, well, I think we need to get together and kind of find something new. And I'm like, he just spent like a week selling us on these being the teams, but Hey, uh, Oklahoma, Ryan Gaines, their director of ops scheduled properly challenging, um, they, they did all the things right to get your RPI number where it needed to be, and they won enough. So, you know, that sweep over Texas is big. I I mean, I think it's going to be tough. I know the history is great in Charlottesville for Oklahoma, so maybe they can catch a little lightning in the bottle. But, um, you know, they replaced their entire pitching staff. Um, I mean, you only have three guys that were regular contributors that are back on this team. I think it's pretty damn cool that they're just in this spot right now. So, hey, why not create a little chaos, get on a run, and the history's been good for him in Virginia in the postseason. Yeah. The only problem is Kate Horton ain't walking out of that bullpen at any point. Yeah. Peyton Graham's not walking through that door to make some plays for you short Uh, right now, unfortunately. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Okay, anything football-wise? Anything? There's a lot of discussion about what's going on at the SEC meetings. Right now, down in Destin, and you know what the future for Oklahoma looks like in a scheduling perspective. Anything catching your eye regarding Sooners football right now? Well, it, it, just two things. I, I just wanted to thank you guys because what you laid out on Sunday about the NIL bill was incredibly informative. And if you haven't caught it yet, you know, I mean, I'm sure it's available. In the, it is available in the archives. And I, I learned a lot from that because I think I'm still, you know, this NIL bill, every single time someone talks to me about it, I pause and I'm like, you need to explain this to me um, like it's like I'm a five-year-old. Okay, sit me down, you know, talk me through it because what are some unintended consequences? So I think, you know, that's really cool. I had a chance. Some unintended chance- consequences are the IRS starts coming after a lot of people. <laughs> there's, there's your um, unintended consequences, boys. I... I had a chance a week ago, Tuesday night, to sit with Coach Venables and Joe Castiglione, and it was with a, a a group of you know some some pretty important people, and it was really 
it was really cool to see the vision, right? You guys have talked about it with the idea of a new facility and what it, I mean, Teddy gave, you guys have talked about it where uh, Oklahoma is the only program in the sec outside of Vanderbilt whose practice field doesn't connect to its indoor whose facility does. I mean, Vanderbilt, they're the, I think the only team that doesn't have a 100 yard practice field. And these are important things. Um, but beyond that, I, I love what Coach Venables is talking about his vision for what this is going to be. It's going to be, you know, obviously we, we've heard it all. It's going to surround your your mind, your body, and your soul. But you know, the the team bonding among athletes of of all sports, and to have that place where you don't have to get in an elevator and go upstairs to see your coach. You know, he's right there. To have that community area where they can eat. So I I, I had a chance to learn a lot about the facility. Um, and what and what you know they they hope is coming up. So I'm really excited about the vision of this program. Um, I'm really excited about the passion that is still there for Coach Finnables, and there that should be there. Um, those that are like, oh, it's just not going to work. I'm like, calm down, man. It's it's not like we saw something leave and go to another school, and suddenly their defense was dominating. I mean, there is a lot of work to be done on that side of the ball, um, and I think it's cool to see the recommitment to it. Um, but beyond that, I am fascinated by this eight, nine thing suddenly in the SEC. I don't know how we went from having this whole damn thing figured out, nine nine conference games, three uh, permanent opponents, and everyone else rotates to all of a sudden it's like, eh, let's just play eight. It's almost as if, guys, all these cool things that we thought were going to happen with the expanded 12-team playoff, you know, tougher, funner, non-conference games, uh, now with the, all, all the craziness in the move with the USC, UCLA to the Big Ten, OU Texas to the SEC to have these massive matchups nonstop. I mean, the Big Ten suddenly comes out and says, yeah, you know, you don't have to play a power five in the non-conference. And the SEC is going, eh, maybe we're not going to expand the nine games. So I, I hope I hope we still see all the incredible matchups that I think we're going to. Um, but it's just now everyone's kind of like, well, hold up all these people that aren't worried about Oklahoma and Texas coming to the SEC, you think they'd welcome nine. All of a sudden, they're like, ah, maybe eight. Maybe we want to protect our bowl eligibility. So I'd like to say they're all scared, and so that's why they only want to stay at eight games. Uh, but I also know there might be some financial ramifications in this too. And in the end, um, I've been taught to follow the money, and I feel like that the there'll be a short-term answer. There'll be like a one-year, eight-game schedule in the SEC, and then I think they'll expand to nine in the future. Yeah, it's like, well, hang on a second. You're telling me if we have nine conference games instead of eight, <laughs> I our payout from ESPN is the same? I'm yeah. handing them that many more great games and everything stays the same? Uh, hell no. no we no. ain't doing that. No, we're not doing that. No, not you can doing pony that. up and pay us more or we're going to just play the eight conference games. That's what I think it is. I, I think you're right. I think everything think else right. is just – nonsense and apparently greg sankey's made it known what he wants to do and i was listening to our our buddy andy staples talk about it and he seems to believe that um that he's let him know that he wants to go to nine so i don't i don't know what to believe in it but i i hope we come up with a conclusion this week but if we don't it makes for fun content and in my opinion if it if it doesn't affect us too terribly much, I'll take the content through June and July when it comes to sports radio. That's that's kind of how I am. I've gone with the Bill Simmons theory, Gabe. I've gone with the Bill Simmons theory, Ted. If it doesn't affect my team and it doesn't hurt my team, 
I'm here for the content. And I think that's what I'm looking for here in these meetings out of Destin. I, I'm with you, Plank. Appreciate you, man. I know it's a super busy week for you. Have fun. Bring bring us another championship, man. Come on. Go. Pressure's Heck on. Yeah. Let's have a party a week from Sunday in Norman. What do you say? Just uh, go ahead and mark it down now. June 10th, let's have a party in Norman and celebrate a national championship. Guys, I'm your biggest fan. I love listening to you. I miss seeing you guys every day. Have a great rest of your show. You're the man. See you guys. I do not know how that man stores so much sports information in his brain. Well, I, I don't think he ever turns off. Like, I have a uh, radio on and radio off personality. His is since he does so much of it, it's just it's radio on. It never stops. The encyclopedia never closes. It's crazy. He's amazing. amazing. And he's also he's also pretty darn good at the play-by-play thing, too. Oh, yeah. And I I love listening to it. He does such a fantastic job. And, you know, whoever – I know they've moved around who does it with him a couple of different times, but they do excellent jobs as well. Yeah. All right, birthday shout-outs. What? You thought we weren't going to do them? Come on, people. Happy first birthday to Jaden Michael Ferguson. Happy fourth birthday to Alexander Faulkner. Happy 10th birthday to Cameron Casebolt. Happy 14th birthday to Zoe Thacker. Yeah, nailed it. Right? Wow. Yeah, I think oh. you nailed it. Well, the pressure was so, so intense. X-O-E. Yeah, it's got to be Zoe, right? Yeah, yeah. I like it. Happy 43rd birthday to Brian Marshall and happy 76th birthday to my dad, Jim Iker. Let's go. That's awesome. All right. Let's finish up with our winners and losers of the week. But first John Vance auto group has been serving Oklahomans for 40 years, family owned and operated. They got nine full service dealerships in Woodward, Miami and Guthrie. No matter what your vehicle needs are, John Vance Auto Group has you covered. They carry domestic brands such as Ford, Lincoln, Chevy, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Dodge, Ram, Jeep, and Wagoneer. John Vance Auto Group's goal is to give unequaled service and to exceed customers' expectations in every way, which is why they have their lifetime loyalty program. And here's how it works. Buy a new or used car from them. All you have to do is get all of the manufacturer recommended maintenance done at the Vance dealership. And if something goes wrong with the components of your engine, transmission, drive, axle, or transfer unit, they'll cover the repair costs. It's a great deal. You can browse their entire inventory or find the John Vance dealership near you at vanceautogroup.com. And First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. Come on, ladies and gentlemen. Make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit FFB.com for more information. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the week? All right, we got softballs in the College World Series. We know baseball is in the regional. Don't lose focus, folks, because outdoor track national championships are coming in June. 
and the Sooners are sending 17 entries to the NCAA Outdoor Championships. Pretty impressive stuff. Uh, I don't know if anyone's heard of Kennedy Blackman, but what she has done is excellent. She just set PRs in uh, the 100-meter and the 200-meter, and we have an all-new school record in the 100-meter. Kennedy Blackman has been outstanding. Um, we've got the 400-meter hurdles represented. Um, we've got several in the field events, discus, um, and um, the uh, triple jump. It's all kinds of great stuff, but we have like the leader in the country in the men for the high jump. Vernon Turner's been unbelievable. He has a really good chance going to win a national championship. Josh Boer's there in the 200 meter, uh, 400 meter. We got a couple of different entries for the men, Richard Johnson, Zarek Brown, and we've also got a four by 400 meter relay team that's in. So all kinds of great stuff going on, which Track is going to be a huge focus whenever we go to the SEC. Track in the SEC is massive. So I think it's awesome to see that uh, we're sending so many to the outdoor championships, which are, I think, the 7th through the 11th of June, and they're going to be down in Austin. So uh, that was awesome to see that we're going to be so well represented. So you a track school and I just didn't know it this uh, year? Yeah. Yeah. We're getting wow. there, man impressive stuff that seems like a lot yep. seems like a lot of representation look at the track knowledge on you big guy i know you know track is one of those things that i've always kind of followed and it's because you were super fast well i don't know it's something i've always enjoyed i loved watching the olympics when i was younger and because of like the streaming and youtube there's so many great outlets now to be able to watch it and to follow it and stay up to date with all of, you know, what's going on throughout the the different track stuff happening, whether it's professional or collegiate, it's just, it's really entertaining. And it's awesome to see that we're doing good. What, what was the fastest hundred meter you ever ran? 10, four. That's fast. Yeah. But it was back in the day where they timed you with like a sundial and, you know, who knows what it was laser time, probably a, at least a 10th slower. Or maybe it was laser at the time. I don't know. Who knows? 10 force fast. That's real fast. Moving pretty good. Yeah. Moving pretty ba good. Back in the day. All right. <laughs> Who do you have as your loser of the week? Well, I had to go I had to go with the uh the Lexington baseball regional because if you're playing in that West Virginia. Who else in it? It's West Virginia, Kentucky. I know West Virginia's in it because I had to talk about it on my Big Twelve show. <laughs> Indiana and Ball State, there is not a hotel room within an hour drive. They've got a country music festival happening at the same time. So the teams are staying in the dorms. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. It seems like a bad thing to me. Uh, fans aren't going to have anywhere to stay. Pretty crazy, the timing of how that whole situation unfolded. Yeah, the uh, – the the 12th seeded Kentucky Wildcats will be welcoming Indiana, West Virginia, and Ball State. Yeah, I guess just scheduling conflict that you didn't foresee. I, I don't, is there really, is there something to be mad about here? Um, I, I don't know that there, it was preventable. I don't think it was. 
it just sucks for the fan bases and the teams that are coming in for this, what is a, a really big moment and to not have any hotel rooms at all within an hour drive is pretty crazy. It's crazy that there's that many people there for that big of a country music festival, well, right? Railbird Festival, a two-day music festival event, 30 acts including Weezer, Cheryl Crow, Tyler Childers. Ooh, and Zach Bryan. I'm a Zach Bryan guy. I like so, Tyler Childers. I'm a Tyler Childers guy. So, yeah, yeah I mean, just, a, just kind of a tough break for the visitors, but feels like a big advantage for Kentucky. <laughs> You say, hey, we lost the first round. Why don't we swing by the country music uh, festival, see what's going on? It's not a bad plan. No, but that that kind of sucks um, yeah. for the fans and, and for the players and everyone involved. I don't know. Maybe the players end up liking it. Maybe the dorms there are nice and easy to, to have some isolation. I don't know, but it's going to be different. That's for sure. Yeah, that's just just one of those unfortunate timing things. Hopefully... Hopefully the music festival is good though. Yeah, I'm sure it will be. Seems like we would have a good time. Yeah. Yeah. All right. For my winner of the week, thought about going with the NHL and follow me on this dead. And I understand some people aren't blown away by the Stanley cup finals between uh, the matchup between the Panthers and the golden Knights. But I am a, I am a playoff hockey only guy. I am I am what you would call a hockey casual. The best part of what the NHL has done, there are no conflicts between the NBA finals and the Stanley Cup playoffs. They're all on different nights. And as a hockey casual that would undoubtedly choose the NBA finals every time, I appreciate that. I'm going to be able to watch them all and not feel like I'm missing anything on the NBA side. Thank you, National Hockey League. The casuals appreciate you. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, whenever you're trying to grow the sport, make sure that you've got an audience that's always going to be able to watch, right? And um, that's that's what you get. You know, if if you've got a big group of your potential fans that are going to be watching a finals in another um, more highly rated sport, that's not necessarily a good thing. So, yeah, pretty smart. Yeah. But speaking of finals, my winner of the week is Miami Heat. What a performance. I mean, to go up 3-0, lose three in a row, right? Losing the fashion that they lost game six at home, right? On that clay, that crazy play to end it. To then go pick yourself up to go on the road in game seven and completely dismantle the Celtics in their own building. That's impressive. I don't know. You, you can call it whatever you want. Heat culture. I don't care. It's impressive. And yeah, would it have been a different game if Jason Tatum doesn't get hurt on the first possession? Sure. Definitely. But the Heat, especially in the second half, just completely smacked the Boston Celtics. And it got even worse in the fourth quarter. That was that was stunning. And it was kind of the funniest outcome possible for for people that were rooting against the Celtics, which I wasn't exactly rooting for them. So that yes. was that was something, man. 
to claw your way back from a 3-0 deficit to get a game seven at home and you get your ass pounded by 20 points, like that's that's got to be, as a Celtics fan, which they're passionate up there. I can't imagine what the fallout today was like up there. Especially, you know, hey, I'm not a basketball guy, but at some point, maybe we should stop heaving three-pointers if we're not hitting them. Like, can we change something up a little bit? If if Caleb Martin is going to outplay Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown both, you're in trouble. And hey, Jimmy Butler getting, what, 28 is one thing. But season on the line and Caleb Martin delivers 26 and 10. Mm. I just, Miami seemed, they just seemed so much more ready for the moment. Yeah. And, and maybe that has like, a lot I to do with. I thought that they weren't. I thought that they were fading as the whole thing played out, as the series played out, right? They looked like they couldn't be stopped at 3-0. And then when they lost those three games, it looked like they were going more and more in the tank. I I did not see game seven coming. Yeah. And they just, they got so many higher quality shots than the Celtics and Boston just played bad. 84 points. Game seven season on the line on your own floor. 84 points. Fewest points they scored all season long. And not, it's not even a game. Like, you got the scrubs in the last five minutes of the fourth your, quarter. Your fans, game seven your fans your were leaving place. game seven early. That's wild, dude. I just – and and now Boston's got some interesting decisions to make, right? There's a conversation about what happens with Joe Missoula. Uh, an interesting conversation about Jalen Brown, Right. The guy had what the same number of made field goals as turnovers mm. when he needed to be the guy, when Tatum was hobbled and he needed to be the guy. And you're going to give that guy, what, $290 plus million? Oh. I just, this is going to sound crazy because the Celtics played in the finals last year. They just lost in game seven in the Eastern Conference finals. They've got two really good players, right? I kind of feel better about where we sit in Oklahoma city. Cause and maybe that's, that's pie in the sky stuff. I'm being over optimistic, overly op- optimistic. That's probably the case here, but Boston feels stuck to me. Yeah. It's feel like they got their two dudes and they've kind of reached that ceiling. Now they're both still young. So maybe I'm overreacting, but they feel a little stuck. And with the Thunder, I'm looking at like, hey, man, the trajectory is is significant. And There's I don't know, just feel like. to that. Like, uh, I know when you've got a superstar, you've got to take care of them. I get it, man. I understand. But at the same time, I, if your superstar decides to just, you know, not continue to grind and get better and, that their life depends on winning a championship and like you're you're putting all your eggs into one basket literally 
or I guess two baskets. And what you get outside of that is almost luck. You 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 have no versatility. You have no maneuverability. There's really nothing that you can do. It's 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 kind of a scary spot to be in whenever you think about it. Yeah. I don't know. It just it's just that they feel like they're in an interesting situation. Especially you look at some of the so how some of these things are functioning with the new CBA. I don't know. They just, if my choices how are, you, how do you recover from it mentally? Like if you're those yeah. guys, Ooh. how can Jalen Brown not dribble? I just, I don't understand. How can you play basketball for a living and be that athletic and not be able to dribble? I just don't get it. And you're oh, going to give him 200 what 95 million or whatever. I was about to say, like you're you're putting it softly. Like he's a professional basketball player, but so are guys that play in like South America. He makes the most money you could possibly make playing the sport. Yes, this would be, and it's just the timing. It'll get broken next year, but they're about to give him the most lucrative con- contract in the history of the NBA. Yeah. And he can't dribble well. He's he's like he's Chris. He's the Cristiano Ronaldo of basketball right now, right? With how much money he's being paid. Can you imagine if like Messi or someone could dribble? I I don't know. I'm excited about the Thunder's future. I just. You gotta if you're gonna if you're gonna pay a guy, eventually it'll be over sixty million dollars a year. You think he'll be in the lab in the summer working on dribbling with his left hand? I sure hope so. I don't know if I would. He did just make all NBA. I mean, he's a really, really good player, but when they needed him most, that that was not the performance you're looking for. When that when when they needed him most to beat the eight seed. Right. Right. In your own building. Just let's move on. Let's move on. We've talked too much Celtics. All right. For my loser of the week. Thought about going with the golden state warriors. Interesting, right? Bob Myers, a general manager who was, who's the guy that built those four championship teams that they've had. He's out. He's, he said, it's time for him to move on, and now the Warriors, they, they've got some tough decisions to make with Draymond Green, Clay Thompson. Uh, you know, what do those extensions look like? They have the Jordan Poole contract, which is not looking good at this point in time, and I think Bob Myers looked at all that and went, yeah, I'm out. See you guys. Good luck. Uh, I've left you this mess. Best of luck. You still have Steph Curry. He's incredible, but it it kind of feels like a move that may be the beginning of the end of that run that the Warriors have had. Yep. The youth is gone. Right? They still, you know, have have really good players, right? But the youth is gone. Everyone, as you know, the success piles up, everyone gets paid more and more and more. You reach a point to where eventually your salary 
is higher than your capabilities. And I think they've hit that point. And now like you've got to make some, some difficult decisions and they're in a, in a spot where there's not a whole lot of maneuverability again. It's kind of like we were talking about the Celtics. Like you just, you've got a bunch of money tied up in, in a handful of guys and you've got to make difficult decisions and, We'll see. Yeah, no kidding. He's like, yeah, I'm out of here. <laughs> I don't blame him. I don't blame him. That's going to be tough. Yeah, and also, I think I think there's a point where guys were probably willing to take a little less to go play with Steph because you knew you had a good opportunity to go win a title. Now, you look at Denver. I know we just did Boston's obituary, but you know, still a really talented team. Like there's these other teams that if you're a, you know, for lack of a better term, like a ring chasing vet that's willing to take a little less. I I don't know if looking at the warriors, like if that's where you're going to start that discussion, which yeah. you need those types of guys. So I don't, I don't know. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see what these next couple of years look like. Uh, for Golden State. Yeah. I mean, like really what got them rolling, think about guys like Iguodala and, you know, who, who who took, I think, less than he was worth for several years there, kind of sparked that, that whole situation. Yeah, it's it's tough, man. It's wild. Yeah. All right. But my loser of the week, Missouri head football coach Eli Drinkwitz. Now, I don't know if he was – and I saw the video, and it seems like he's kind of joking, but he just he just said some stuff you don't say if you're a college football coach, right? SEC spring meetings are going on in Destin, and he was asked about sports gambling, and he gave a very odd answer. Uh, here, here's the quote for context. We're giving guys 18 to 22 years old, life-changing money. People are making more money on NIL than my brother-in-law, who is a pediatrician who saves lives. And we kind of do it cavalier. We think there's not going to be side effects or issues. There is information out there, bad actors out there, always trying to make a dollar, running around campuses, trying to gather information. It's going to become a key issue in our locker room. The answer's all over the place. It's all over the place. I don't know why the NIL thing came up. Is is he saying his guys are going to go gamble, Ted? Like, what's happening here? I don't know. Um, And then he came out and he said he wanted to clarify he's all for player compensation. He said it on Twitter. It's like, dude, well, it's just all over the place. I'm confused. Yeah, it's it's incredibly dumb. And it comes from a guy that is shockingly unserious at his job and which sometimes I don't mind. Like I don't mind when guys go up there and just kind of let it fly and are entertaining. And, but it's like, it, it kind of never stops with him. It's like, I wonder what his brother, the, uh, the pediatrician thinks that he makes like $5 million a year and has never even churned out a winning record. Like 6 million. Six million, right? Like, let's not forget about your job compared to your brothers. All right, buddy. I mean, that's just unfortunately not how things work. Like, there's a lot of people that 
what they do makes the world go round and they're not compensated properly for that. That's just the nature of the business. And I, it's just incredible that, that he says that I, what is he even talking about? It's so stupid. I, I don't know. Here's some free advice that I've been passing out to all head football coaches in college football since NIL became a thing. All you have to say is I want my guys to make every dollar they can make. Make that very, very, very clear. Anytime NIL comes up, I want my guys to make every dollar that they can make. Say it every time the issue comes up. Make it so very clear that you want your guys to get as much money as possible. Ted, why is it so hard for some of these coaches to just say something as simple as that? Because he thinks he's smarter than everyone else. That's all it is. He thinks he's smarter than everyone else. But what he fails to realize very plainly is that the NIL money is not coming out of the money that pays his brother's pediatrician clinic. Brother-in-law. Brother-in-law, whatever. It's not It's not like he's making less money as a pediatrician because NIL started, right? And all of a sudden, his share of the pie is shrinking. That's not how it works. Kid, kids aren't going to the doctor anymore because mom and dad spend it on the five-star QB. That's it. That's it. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's You're right, though. It's very simple. Like, even if you don't, you don't even have to believe it. You don't even have to believe it. Just say it. Just say I want, it. I want everyone on my roster to make a billion dollars in NIL. That's it. A billion dollars. I I'm sure I'm sure his brother-in-law was like, what the hell, man? I'm sure he got he got a few calls from people like, hey man, Eli just said something about you. He's like, Oh, I'm just trying to look at this kid's rash and just just try to help him out, you know. But by the way, pediatricians are phenomenal people. They're fantastic. I've got two kids under two. They're amazing people. Well, I think some of them are probably amazing, but just like anything else, some of them are probably terrible. Just like football coaches, some of them are amazing and some of them are terrible. (laughs) This, But this is the thing. There's not 100,000 people coming to watch his brother-in-law do a checkup on a kid. (laughs) That that's just I and I just I find it so interesting that so many people in this country subscribe to the thought process of you are worth what pe- what someone will pay you. You're worth what someone will pay you. Yeah. But for some reason, a bunch of those people that think that way have trouble applying it to college football players. I, I don't I don't if understand. You, if you really want to get if, – if this is like the hill you want to die on and you really want to get pissed off at people that make a lot of money, go watch what your kids watch on YouTube <laughs> and see what those YouTube stars make. That is egregious, okay? That is egregious. But even that, like, whatever. Who cares? If you can – do some stupid viral video and 
you know, smash cars in your front yard or whatever the hell it is that you do, fine. If you could do it and make a lot of money, fine. College football, these college football players, it's not as if they're the only 18 to 22-year-olds in the world that are coming into large sums of money, right? I, that, that they it's like these people all get together and they create these same talking points. Like they create these boogeymen. Right. And I'm tired of, I'm tired of hearing, Oh, well, we have to be careful with the getting these guys, this amount of money because people will try to take advantage of people try to take advantage of anyone that has a lot of money. Yeah. It doesn't matter how old you are, but also one of the parts of your job if you're a head football coach like Eli Drinkwitz is to protect your players from that. And all you can do, right? All you can do is arm them with knowledge. You cannot, this is, I, and I think, I think some coaches struggle with this. You cannot control everything that they do. You can just arm them with the knowledge. And then they're adults. It's life, man. You make choices, and there's consequences for the choices. If you make good choices, typically good things are going to happen. If you make some bad choices, some bad things are going to happen. You can't just control it all. All you can do is help them understand the process and, and how this all works. And then they've got to make some big boy decisions, man. Or they don't. <laughs> Who cares? You think you think these <laughs> college kids are going to be the first people to blow life-changing money? I where's the uh where's just the endless amount of people so worried about all these young rappers that are gonna blow all this life-changing money, right? I let them blow it try and help them make good decisions, but some people are going to make bad decisions. I want to know what age Eli Drinkwitz thinks it's okay to make life-changing money. At what age is it okay? As long as you've graduated college, as long as you're, um, you know, you've, you've played three years in the SEC, then you can make life-changing money. When is the, when is the number? So stupid. Don't don't let any of these country music stars spend their money, Ted. Especially the young ones that have got that have really taken off quickly. We got a. You want to talk about a problem in this country? These young tech entrepreneurs making all of this life changing money at an early age, coming up with all these crazy businesses that are creating all this wealth. It's a problem. Should not allow that. Right? Eli Drinkwitz will not stand for it. You are you cannot make life changing money until he approves. Who knows when that that time is? It's, and it has to be after he's sufficiently made money off of you. Yeah, and it cannot hit your bank account until you go to his brother in law and you pass a physical. <laughs> I just uh just say you want your guys to make every dollar they can and move on. That's just it. say it. Just say it and move on. Right, on that like, note. It's like he thought everyone was going to hear his statement and go, oh, my God. He's right. 
I, we hadn't thought of it. Imagine what's going to happen in these locker rooms with these guys making this NIL money. It's unbelievable. He's correct. Let's kill the whole thing. No, it's rolling, buddy. It's rolling. On that note, episode 322 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that will drop Sunday. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 3 to 6 on 94.7 The Ref. You can hear me from 2 to 5 on Series 6 and Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. That's a lie. I'm on in the morning. It's 7 to 10. It's great. You should check it out. It's Big 12 <laughs> this morning right now. We go down to one show in the summer. Hope you all have a great rest of your week. Have an awesome weekend if you're going out to the Women's College World Series. Have some fun. Cheer loud. And until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Care of each other. Just one more time